Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and this is episode 167 on sacredness in the bright and in the dark with Mari Andrew. Mari is a writer, author, seeker of magic. She has a very popular Instagram account. Um, she's wonderful. I really enjoyed this conversation. She has a new book out called My Inner Sky on embracing day, night, and all the times in between. And it's out tomorrow. It's wonderful. I read it before my conversation with Mari and it's beautiful. It's really about what the title of this episode is, Sacredness in the Bright and the Dark. It's about how all feelings belong and how there's richness uh, in humanity, in all of it, in all of the things we experience, even when it's a struggle, even when it's a pain, and um, really just uh, an inspiring conversation. Really enjoy my chat with Mari, and I think you will too. Uh, I just wanted to say before we get to the episode, hello to the new listeners. Uh, a lot of you came over from Kate Flanders' episode that came out last week. Hello. Hi. How are you? Thank you for being here. Um, very happy to have you here. I really enjoyed that conversation with Kate um, and hope to uh, go for a long, adventurous Hobbit-like hike with Kate someday. And maybe you too. Maybe feely hikes are in our future, you guys. Let's, let's do that. Let's make that happen in a post-pandemic world. But anyways... Thank you for being here. I'm so I'm so grateful. So grateful. Um, yeah. What else do I want to say? I guess I want to say that uh, you can support me and the show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash feelyhuman. Just released uh, a replay of our Vulnerability 101 chat. Uh, that's available to all Patreon supporters. Check that out. Patreon.com slash feelyhuman. Uh, follow the show on Instagram at Yumi Empathy and the Feely Human Collective, my collaborative mental health community at Feely Human. And uh, I'd love to feature your writing uh, or do an art collab or just um, gab with another Feely Human over at feelyhuman.co. I also have a free workshop and I got uh, some more things I'm working on that that hopefully we'll, we'll see the light of day this year in 2021. Anyways, check it out at feelyhuman.co. And I guess the last thing I will say, I always say the last thing, but it might not, it might not even be the last thing. I have no plans. Whenever I start recording these, zero plans, zero prep, zero plans. Can you tell? You probably can. That's okay. I am going... Uh, on a mini backpacking adventure this weekend, and it feels great. I'm actually recording this earlier in the week. I'm recording it on a Thursday. I usually record them the night before on Sundays, but I'm recording this on a Thursday. I hope your week uh, was great last week. I hope this week serves you and you can find the time for rest and nourishment and maybe take a moment to... I don't know, look around, look up, look at a tree, sniff a flower, um, feel your toes in some earth. I don't know, do something like that. It, it makes me think of that uh, one scene in Amelie. Uh, I mean, if you guys haven't seen Amelie, it's a wonderful movie, but 
she uh, takes great joy in putting her hand in, I think, a sack of rice. Uh, maybe it's beans, but either way, do something like that. Tactile, feely, stay with it, that feeling, and, and feel it. Um, you know, that's my gift to you. <laughs> and this, this conversation with Mari Andrew is also my gift to you because Mari is wonderful And I think you'll love her new book, My Inner Sky. Again, it's available starting tomorrow. Pick it up at your local bookshop. The link's in the show notes for this episode at feelyhuman.co. Go to bookshop.org. That's also a great resource for local bookshops. Um, But yeah, My Inner Sky, my chat with Mari Andrew is here for your ear holes and your heart holes here right now, episode 167, Sacredness in the Bright and the Dark, with my guest, Mari Andrew. Enjoy. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us Today, my inner sky is a rich tapestry of Care Bears bouncing on fluffy cumulonimbus marshmallows because I'm here with writer, artist, seeker of magic, and author of the new book, My Inner Sky. It's Mari Andrew. Hello, Mari. I know. That was such a wonderful introduction. I'm going to join you there. Yeah, right? I mean, who doesn't want to bounce around and play with some Care Bears on some marshmallows? Oh, perfect. <laughs> Well, so happy to have you, Mari. It's um, we were talking off air that it's been it's been a journey with, with emails between you and me and your team for the past two years. So I'm so great. You uh, technically were on my short list of quote unquote dream guests. So I'm so grateful that you're here. That's so kind. Wow, I'm so honored, so <laughs> honored to be there, and so honored to be here now. Um, I love a journey that comes to a beautiful end. So here we are at the end of our journey, but in some ways the beginning, I guess. Yeah, there we go. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, Mari, let's kick off the show with an emotional check-in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling all right today. You know, New York has been really gray the past few weeks, and that's not something that bothers me that much. I'm from Seattle. It's not, doesn't really wear on me like it does to others. But um, today when the sun came out, I felt like a new person. I felt Mm. like I could do anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, wow, this is making such a difference. So I was just out doing some grocery shopping and music sounded different and people looked a little happier. So I'm kind of on the more hopeful end of things than I was uh, perhaps yesterday. Nice. I was just editing uh, tomorrow's episode as as of this recording uh, this morning. And my guest, Kate Flanders, who wrote the book Adventures in Opting Out, she she has a friend who reminds her to ask, instead of like, how's the weather? They ask, how's the weather in your mind? Which I like, right? Yeah, that's nice. Although I'm trying lately 
I'm on this journey to, um, to kind of eliminate emotional binaries from my way of thinking. And, you know, a lot of times we associate, um, rain and darkness and clouds with sorrow. And I've been trying to see those as, um, happy emotions. Like Mm -hmm. how can I associate clouds with joy? Because that, you know, that's there too. Or, or when the rain comes down, like what are the positive associations I can have with that? So I might have to play with that idea a bit (laughs) before I could, before I could uh, honestly answer. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such an important space to occupy. It, it's, it's for me, it's about getting to a space of there's really no right or wrong. Like we do have these negative connotations about sorrow or sadness or melancholy. But the reality is there's, there's a lot of truth, as, as you've written about in your new book, there's a lot of truth in the, the messy and the gray and, and, um, and, the stuff that has seems has seemed to be culturally and societally positioned as bad or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, thank you for sharing how you're feeling. I, I, uh, for me, I, the last couple of days I've been having, I don't know if it's severe allergies, but like lightheadedness and dizziness and, I, you know, I, I don't like not feeling myself. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a good feeling. And it makes me as someone who I think um, gets a lot of value out of like being efficient and like being productive and like doing stuff. I, I, when I'm sick, it is a true sort of like test of my own um, emotional uh, resilience. <laughs> yes. Which I know you can relate to. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can in a lot of ways. Actually, I, that's, it's interesting you frame it as not feeling yourself mm. um, because there is some quote negative emotions. I don't really like to put them in those categories, but for ease of understanding, um, there are emotions like sadness that I actually find quite easy to deal with because I do feel actually most like myself in a lot of ways when I am in that melancholy space. It's a very Mm. comfortable place for me. It's a really creative space. It's not exactly, it's not where I want to be all the time, but it's, I know how to navigate it. I actually do feel like in a lot of ways, I come back to myself when I'm in a sort of more sad, melancholy area. Mm -hmm. Um, But like anger for me feels completely, I don't know what to do with it. It doesn't feel Mm. like me at all. And that's one that I'm trying to make friends with. um, Because it's when I don't feel like myself, that's when those emotions are really, really difficult to move through. Um, And yeah, I have been seriously sick, and I have been mildly sick. And that is a really tough place to occupy because you don't feel like yourself and you're experiencing yeah. these um, thoughts and feelings that are really unfamiliar. And that's not fun. We want to yeah. feel home in our bodies. Home in our bodies is a great, great way to look at it and to put it. I, you know, as I'm re- like, as I'm listening to you and reflecting on that statement of like not feeling ourselves, there's even maybe some judgment in my voice or there's even maybe like, um, some binary uh, in in understanding, like, because I I I, I feel it may be the fact that we as humans are trained from the get go to not be quote unquote comfortable in the spaces that f- that um, that are the negative or the bad or the wrong or whatever, and I think for me I want to challenge myself more and more to occupy all of the feeling places like all of the spaces because at the end of the day like that's how that's how we learn about ourselves that's how we grow and 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 connect with others right like i you know i can take this moment in time where i'm feeling very you know quote unquote unlike myself and then i think about you and your story and the experience you had with uh guillain syndrome and 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 
it's a connecting force, right? Like when we when we're vulnerable enough to be in that feeling. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's usually those feelings where we are feeling unfamiliar with our own self, our own emotional landscape. Like we're kind of dropped into this tundra of new feelings and thinking, where am I? Um, but once you start going out in that, making discoveries, um, finding new corners of yourself, that is a really connective space. It feels so lonely, but the irony is it's like, as soon as you start talking about that, then you join this community of people who have been in that exact same place, which is, um, that can be a beautiful experience. Yeah. It's like you're building, um, new pathways to connection that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I read your book, your new book, my inner sky, it's beautiful and lovely. And, you know, the overall message of it, um, I just cherish and, and try to live, uh, sort of my life this way. And, and by overall message, I mean, or this is what I took away from it is, we humans are capable of so much. We're resilient. We are these beautiful, magical, rich tapestries of emotion and feeling. And we glean throughout the process, through the seasons of our lives, right? And um, it's exactly what we, we're talking about here. It's, it's, it's about like... Uh, being cognizant and aware of and open-hearted enough to uh, experience it all and not to judge ourselves in the process and not to judge others in the process and to allow it for allow it to be a thing that is nourishing and enriching and you know yeah I don't know I'm blathering on but um, <laughs> it's beautiful that's it yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I, there's no question in there. I just wanted to say it. (laughs) I so appreciate you saying all of that and seeing it that way. I've been thinking a lot, um, you know, since I started writing this three years ago, what is this book actually about? And I think I just recently found out, which is that every feeling belongs. Mm. Um, I, I started learning about embodiment last year, sort of a a theme that was going through my mind and uh, listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of book about it. And um, this idea that we are taught to not really inhabit our bodies fully. Mm -hmm. And um, I think if I, if I remember this correctly in America, this this tends to happen to um, girls around age 12. It tends to happen to boys around age six um, when we're told that certain feelings belong and certain ones don't and certain thoughts belong and certain ones don't. And when you're taught to kind of slice off a certain emotion or a certain thought because it shouldn't belong to you, that's such a traumatic experience. Your body is the only thing you will ever own. And to feel like certain things belong there and certain things don't. And, um, you know, your mind is in your body. So it's, it's all part of it. And your, your heart is in your body. It's, it's all the same thing. Um, To feel like, you know, this is the only thing I own. This is my only home I'll ever have. And the fact that I'm feeling things that don't belong here. um, That's such a, bad way to think. That's such a bad thing to teach little kids and to teach adults. And so um, while writing it, I had a bunch of experiences that I thought, oh, wasn't life supposed to go this way? Or wasn't I supposed to think this about Mm. my life? Isn't a funeral always supposed to be really sad? Isn't a wedding always supposed to be really happy? You know, just these these ways that I was going, that I was starting to grow up and realize, oh, the world isn't the way that I thought it was going to be. And I wanted to make as much space for that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I, I so appreciate that. I, I know for me, like growing up, it was a lot of, um, uh, you know, I was very sensitive. I was a feely sort of kid and, 
in an environment that felt very scary and unsafe. And so um, I had to protect that part of myself and not lead with that part of myself. Like I like that part of myself, I felt and today I'm 40 years old. Today, I uh, value that it's my superpower. I love it. But you know, for the longest time, it was this thing that like, I felt shame about I had to repress to survive in a lot of ways. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I feel I, I, I feel we're getting better as a society in that space with kids. But to your point, I think there's a lot of nuance and a lot of complexity to it that we need to unpack and unlearn. Yes, absolutely. Nuance is <laughs> definitely the name of the game. And yeah. um, we don't have a lot of space for it. I've, you know, I've been, social media has been such a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. And I think really helping with this conversation, but mm. it's hard to be really nuanced in a post that people are going to look at for five seconds. Yeah. And um, I've been thinking a lot about that lately in the way that, um, it's still, even, even with as far as we've come with all of that, um, we still have this idea that, um, you know, even the most sensitive among us are, are supposed to have this certain response to, um, to certain experiences and world news and other people and all of that. And so I've been trying to uh, kind of mentally explore, you know, what it looks like to bring a bit more nuance into discussions online, which is hard. <laughs> it's hard because it's it's pretty chaotic over there. It is hard. And I, I think about social media and, you know, the stuff that you put out is beautiful and is nuanced. I think the key is the mindset with which we consume this stuff. Because I think there's a part of us that is part of the narrative that we tell ourselves, part of the narrative of American culture is we maybe consume a piece of social media from you, Mari, and we we want to like, okay, what's the, what's, let's condense this down. Let's like make it this one sort of, you know, quotable thing. And the reality is we're trying to, to your point earlier, we're trying to like, put this neat box or binary around a thing that's way messier than we give it credit and 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 needs to be messy because as we've said the messiness is where uh we glean and we thrive and we learn and we grow and be present and all that stuff but we try to like put boxes around this stuff yeah yeah i mean to be human is to be so complex. Um, I recently read that um, they, a human is capable of 34,000 emotions wow. and we can experience all of those through our lifetime if we're lucky. And um, yeah, a quick little soundbite isn't really, <laughs> it's not going to capture too many of those. Um, I think it is so human also for the brain to try to make things easier and to try to look for yeah. patterns and to try to look for um, evidence to support what you already believe, um, yeah. which makes, uh, yeah, social media a little tricky. Um, but I so agree. It is, it's not so much what is put out there as it is the intention with which you go into it. And in my own journey with social media and the internet in general, I'm trying to be really intentional when I enter that space because it is sort of like going into a room mm. where you're going to see so many different types of people. And it's almost like if you enter, um, you know, like a convention or something, and it's like one of those huge rooms with fluorescent lights and a million booths and everyone's trying to get you, get your attention and get you to buy something or to feel a certain way or whatever. Yeah. And you have to go in there thinking, this is what I'm here for. This is what I want to focus on. This is what I really want to spend time with. I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking to this person and have a good conversation. And then maybe one minute with this person. And um, I try to do that when I enter into Instagram or Twitter or whatever and think I am going in with a really specific, you know, boundary around this. Um, but then we we are so easily swayed, right? So it's like so many things are are wanting our attention and um you know, five minutes have gone by and you've you've gone through a whole 
<laughs> You've gone through every single one of those 34,000 emotions you can have and, yeah. <laughs> and then you feel kind of attacked. So yeah, it is, I think, um, I hope that there's a lot more uh, conversation in the near future about intentionality with mm. uh, the way we consume. Mm, yeah, no, I, I, I hope so too. So, you know, I, I read uh, an interview you did a couple of years ago and obviously read your book um, and you brought up empathy a few times in, in this process of the last couple of years in writing this book and your experience with uh, Guillain-Barr syndrome. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Guillain-Barre. Um, Guillain Barre. It has a little Gu flair. Guillain-Barre. Ooh, I, I, I like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Guillain-Barre. Thank you. Um <laughs> What like when I so when I think of empathy, I and I I I've come to a place in my life where it's 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 really this thing that takes practice and skill and like curiosity every day. How is it for you? How is how has that empathy journey been for you these last couple of years? Mm, mm, it's it is an ongoing journey. It's totally ongoing. I have not arrived at a destination by any means, but yeah. I will say when I was going through, um, some really, really hard times, especially after, um, getting Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, which temporarily paralyzed most of my body. And then I spent a few months, um, getting my strength back, which was actually, that part was harder than being paralyzed in a lot of ways because, um, people didn't, know what to do with me. I was in between sickness and health, right. um, which is a really difficult place to talk from. And um, I, people kind of wanted to put me in one bucket or another because it's, you know, it's a lot easier, um, yep. which feels very isolating. It's very lonely. Um, so during that time, I realized the most empathetic people around me were the ones who could really sit there hmm. and they didn't want to pretend that I was better and they didn't uh, want to fully put me in the unwell uh, category either. They were just present to what was happening that day. And um, there's a lot of expectation when you're coming out of illness that you will maybe be more grateful, that you'll be more wise, that you'll have this, um, uh, you know, like, newfound lease on life. None of that was <laughs> happening to me and I didn't really know what to do with it. I had a lot of feelings of survivor's guilt. I was irritable all the time. I was still angry over really small things that probably shouldn't matter that much once you've gone through a life-threatening situation. Um, so I had this kind of big mess of feelings and the people who could just sit there were so valuable to me. Um, Right now, the past uh, month, I started a job as a hospital chaplain. So what I do is go around to different patients' rooms, and I just say, how are you doing today? And I'm there mm -hmm. for emotional support, spiritual support. Um, but even for me, and I'm a person who thinks about empathy all the time, even for me, it's so hard to just sit with whatever is going on that day. Like. Yeah. What I want to do is say, are you feeling better? Like, please feel better so that this <laughs> can be easier for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But when they're saying like, I am not well, I'm lonely, this is really hard, you know, it, to just sit there and say, wow, that sounds really hard. Or yeah. to say, I'm so sorry, this is happening. Or to just sit and ask follow-up questions and not try to give any kind of platitude or hopeful message. That is the hardest thing. Mm. So it's like, I've been on the receiving end and now I'm putting it into practice and it's monumentally difficult because we, mm. we don't want to sit there. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> we would rather, you know, push toward, uh, toward the, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard yeah. to sit in the tunnel. Yeah, we want to paint them as like the heroes, like because they're 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 beating their illness or whatever. That's the American story. That's the right. yeah. That's yeah. Uh, I was particularly touched by you know the the chaplain that you you experienced. You know that visited you when you were sick uh, in the hospital, and 
and listeners, you know, buy the book because like this is a perfect example of how empathy can be, which is this chaplain came to visit you and he he honored and uh, reflected your own pain and he said basically that sucks i'm sorry and shared his own story right and and was there and and reflected back um an experience that that was not super similar to yours but it was an experience where you could see that like okay like it just made you feel connected. And it, it, like, what a beautiful moment that was. I was really touched by that. Oh, thank you for remembering that and bringing that up. That was yeah. a really beautiful um, life moment for me. It was, I was in the hospital in Spain and it was a Catholic priest in the South of Spain. Um, not someone I would normally probably uh, come across or get to know. Um yeah. And I kind of had this idea when he came in that um, he'd be a bit more conservative and, um, you know, may not be able to fully relate to uh, what exactly was going on with me. But um, all he did was listen. And he said from the get go, I'm just here to be your friend. I'm just here for emotional support. And um, I was so grateful that he didn't try to rush anything. He didn't try to he didn't tell me that God was going to heal me. He didn't promise any kind of, um, you know, bright horizon. He just sat there. Yeah. And um, I had a couple other friends do that too. And just say, I'm so sorry this is happening. And um, not try to say anything like, well, you'll be stronger or you are so strong or you'll be wiser because of this or anything like that. Cause I thought, all I want to be doing right now is drinking sangria and dancing. Like I didn't want, I don't want to be wiser. I don't want to be stronger. I didn't ask for that. I just want to be in Spain on vacation (laughs) and to have these promises of like, you're going to be a better person or something. It felt like, well, (laughs) that's not fair. (laughs) Like why do not? (laughs) I don't want to have to go through this suffering in order to get like, the, the lollipop at the end. Um, and so I think when people can really sit there and, and acknowledge there isn't a reason you're going through this, you just are, and I'm here. Like that's the most profound, um, type of empathy. I think that you can offer. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I love that so much. And I, I'm so grateful you shared that story. Um, it, it touched me. I, I also, I think it's very vulnerable of you, vulnerable of you, Mari, to share the, you know, really like there's so much we humans experience that is uh, invisible, right? That is not seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, I think, alluded to it in in your book where you kind of, you're in recovery, right? And you quote unquote looked fine, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. On the outside, but you weren't fine, right? You weren't fine. And it's such a, a, a beautiful reminder for us to show up and, and, and really be present with people and allow them to be however they want to be, whether it's struggling, whether it's, um, angry, you know, whether it's annoyed by, by whatever you're experiencing. Cause like there is, it's just an opportunity to dig deeper, I think, and go a little bit toward the heart as opposed to um, how you present on the surface. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's so hard. My theme of this past year was not making assumptions. That was like my mantra. And it's so easy to do that. And I can mm-hmm. see why we all do it. It's, it's helpful, you know, it helps us survive in a lot of ways, but yeah. um, we make a lot of assumptions and I am someone um, who gets a lot of messages and emails. And uh, sometimes the ones that really upset me or hurt my feelings are because someone made an assumption that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And um it will really bother me. And then I find myself making an assumption about someone else. And I, I think, you know, as a writer, it's sort of an interesting imaginative exercise to look at someone I've never seen, even if it's just on the internet and think, 
hmm, what might they be going through? Or what, you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions about this specific thing that they're saying or that they took a picture of or whatever, but what else might be going on? And not necessarily um, difficult things, but, you know, what what might their day, day be like today? Yeah. And um, to kind of wiggle around in your imagination and think, what else is going on here? That's not only helpful, you know, for a writer, creator, anyone who wants to learn more about humans, but um, it really deepens your compassion. And there's so little that we know about people who are walking around. You don't know what's going on. I've heard so many people since I moved to New York and before talk about the slow walkers, like, oh, I can't stand slow Mm. walkers (laughs) and um, like, you know, know where you're going and whatever. And When I was in recovery from illness, I was a very slow walker and I have always been a really fast walker. So that was kind of, that was like a bigger identity shift than anything else. It's like, oh my gosh, now I'm, I'm one of these people. And I'm sure if I had visited New York, I would have really annoyed people. Um, This was obviously pre COVID days when there was a lot of hustle and bustle on the streets and, um, and I'm young and healthy looking. Um, but during my recovery, I felt like I had a rubber band tied around my ankles at all Mm. times. It was very difficult and unpleasant to walk. And, um, you know, that's something that people might've been really irritated by, but they wouldn't know like how hard I was struggling. So we can't always like, go into our full imaginations about what every stranger around us might be going through. But, um, but to just take a beat, you know, before we really lash out mentally or emotionally um, at someone and think, what is the bigger story here? You are just as complex as I am. Um, yeah. I find that to be a helpful way to go through life. Yeah, me, me too. I, I love doing that. And I, I'm not always successful at it. I think sometimes for me, it's just about a simple shift in narrative from uh, this person is walking slow and it's affecting me. How is this person's actions affecting me to shifting to, I wonder what joy they're getting out of like, you know, taking the time to, to, smell these flowers as they slowly pass by, right? You know, it's it's something as, as it's taking from like the insular sort of self maybe involved perspective to the, mm-hmm. oh, what kind of human uh, joy and, and presence that they're feeling and, and what, a, what a wonderful place to be that is, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 I, uh, in my work now at the hospital, my supervisor will constantly say, your patients are your teachers, your patients are your teachers. And at first that made me kind of uncomfortable as someone who has been a patient and didn't want to be teaching anyone anything. Mm, (laughs) I didn't want anyone to come to me, um, like I said, you know, for extra wisdom or insight that I didn't, I didn't want that pressure on top of not feeling well. Um, But what she means is they're teaching you what it is to be a human, you know, just by being with them in any state, it's not like they have to have these, um, you know, magical pieces of wisdom that you could sew on a throw pillow, but just by being who they are, they're teaching you. And um, if you can kind of look at people as uh, these, these teachers of what it's like to be another human, that's certainly a lot, a lot more productive than, yeah. <laughs> than just getting upset with them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're doing that, that you like had this profound experience with a chaplain and now you're a chaplain. What a beautiful oh gift. My God. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I know. I Yeah, it is. Um, it is sort of a, a lovely little full circle thing. I actually started thinking about it um, this past year because I was thinking, hmm, I have no, like, I have no work to do this year. All of the work I was going to do has been taken away. And what is another career path that I think would be interesting to explore? And I think a lot of people think once you write a book or once you do something, 
um, that you've always wanted to do, then you're kind of set and you just mm. kind of stop having ambition or stop having interest in other things. And sure. I wanted to challenge that a little bit and, uh, and say, well, I, I'm young. I'm, I've got my life ahead of me. What, what else might I want to do when I grow up? I love, how did, I am so curious now, how did the, like, did you apply for this job? Like, how did you pitch yourself for this position? Um, yeah, it's actually, so it's part of a, uh, education. Um, I, it's part of, it's sort of like going to school. It's a, um, you have to do it. If you want to become a chaplain, you have to work as a chaplain first. So I've heard it described as like wanting to be a cab driver and then, um, having to drive an ambulance by yourself for six months. It's like, they're putting me in the most, (laughs) in the most difficult part of this job that I'm kind of interested in. Um, So I'm working with a supervisor and other people who are exploring this path. And we have to talk about what we're learning and it's so vulnerable and so hard. And um, these people are really different from me and have really different approaches as does my supervisor. And um, it's like earth school, you know, master class. It's, <laughs> it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. I love that. I mean, I, I, I think the, the aim of humanity, if anything, if we, I think it's to do that is to do, to, to propel ourselves into experiences that are, 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 uh, growth that are change that are learning that are challenging and uncomfortable, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that sounds difficult, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, in these times when things are just so demanding of you, hmm. um, you do really figure out, Oh, who am I? I? I thought I was this way, but I'm actually really this way. And I think a lot of people would be really hesitant to learn that because it's uncomfortable and (laughs) you don't always like what you find. Um, But even I found even finding out these kind of not so great things about me, um, especially in this past year, which was so hard. um, So, so, so hard, you know, finding out like, Oh man, I really am struggling with jealousy of people Mm. right now who like, their work hasn't been affected or I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really envying these people who like can buy a place upstate or whatever. And, and sitting with that and, and realizing like, oh man, I I don't like this jealous part of myself. I don't like to think of myself as jealous. I will very often say, oh, that's not me. You know, that's not the real me, but it is the real me. And to embrace that, um, you know, the shadows and the gifts in myself. If I'm going to think of myself as a writer, I also have to think of myself as a jealous person. Like it's both, it's both. And, and the more that I embrace that in myself, the more that I can embrace it in other people. Obviously, That's like the life lesson. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's such, such, uh, a profound wisdom, I think, that we can all sort of learn a lot from, for sure. You know, one of the, um, I very much related to, there's there's a sort of, uh, I, I guess, an ongoing piece uh, in your book uh, about your relationship to your father and mm-hmm. and the sort of abandonment issues that you had maybe and um you know he was estranged when when he passed and and i was wondering hoping you'd be able to talk about that a little bit because i i I know for myself i am estranged from my father right now and reading about your experience with your father and that loss um really uh struck a chord really made me dip back into a place of more sticky compassion toward a man who is deeply flawed, mm-hmm. very violent, very angry, you know, and, and I think the last few years I've been trying to dip more back into that compassion and, and your story, your experience with your father um, reminded me again to dip back there. So anyways, 
can you talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to share uh, with each other. Although it's, it's so common I I'm finding, and it's not something that's talked about very often. Mm. Um, you know, it was really kind of like emotionally interesting to me when my dad died is um, first the expectation that I would only be like a certain type of sad about it. And that was really the only emotion that I could, I was like allowed to have, Mm. Um, which is why all my other feelings really confused and bothered me. Um, Feelings of like really missing him, even though I hadn't talked to him in six years and feelings of panic and um, this depression and also like some feelings of relief and all of these things that I didn't know that I was allowed to feel. I didn't really know how to talk about. Um, And then there was also um, this question that I got every time I told someone that he died, they would ask, were you close? Mm. And sometimes I'd say yes, just to see what happened. (laughs) And um, because we were at one point, you know, that was true too. We were close and then we were not close at all, but still close in this really specific way where I'm sure we thought about each other a lot, um, probably even more so than people who weren't very close. You know, it's really complicated. And whenever people would ask, were you close? And I would say, no, we weren't it seemed like that kind of let them off the hook from, from any more, you know, uh, yeah. questions or any, any sort of compassion, like, Oh, thank God. Okay. We don't have to talk about that. Like they weren't close, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I really struggled with where to put my own grief. It's like, you know, we think of grief as a, when you think of grief, when I think of grief, I have this very specific image in mind of someone, you know, like throwing themselves on a bed and crying and grief can also look like going to work and laughing and feeling and having panic attacks like I did and feeling and really, you know, projecting this relationship on everyone I dated and not knowing how to deal with friends and being really jealous of people with great fathers. And it can look like so many different things. Um, And so, I mean, it's certainly one of those things in my life that will be a forever, you know, always, I'll always be dealing with that in some way. And I have to say he died at this point almost six years ago and our relationship has gotten better. Like, Mm. We've actually, your relationship can go on after death and even during estrangement. Yeah. Um, And I found that there are times when I feel really close to him now in a way I never did before. And um, there are also times when I forget about him and I think, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm not, not really so hung up on that relationship anymore. Um, but it's one of those really convoluted things that I think a lot of people deal with and not a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I recently had uh, Rabbi uh, Steve Leader on the podcast, and he wrote this book recently called The Beauty of What Remains. I highly recommend it for you, Mari. It's it's about, basically, it's about his experiences losing his own father and at the same time, the experience of being there for about a thousand people, you know, in, in their last days, in their final days, essentially. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's about that myriad grief. It's about what grief can be and how it's different for everyone and what it looks like and the, the presentations of what we want it to look like and the narratives of like the, that we tell ourselves that we feel it should be this way and it shouldn't be this way. And, you know, he he told a story of, you know, of a person who, you know, wasn't was estranged to their to their parent and the parent the mother I think uh, mother died and and this person asked Steve, like, basically said like I don't know what to feel I feel, you know, um, all these things and 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 or he, I think he asked like what should I feel and and Rabbi said relief 
I think is is a apt you know feeling here. It's an important feeling, right? And that's mm. that's okay, you know. And because we, and I'm so grateful you said that too. That you felt some of that a little bit because I I think it is. We death is such a it's a thing we all share, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also this like it's become this another box, right? It's become this other thing like that we 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 tell ourselves should be this way, and. I think the sooner we let go of those shoulds, the sooner we sort of dismantle the boxes, the sooner we dismantle all the stuff that like all the apparatus that tells us we need to do things certain ways, like, you know, that's where it's at. Yeah. I love that. I mean, everybody dies. Everyone's going to die. And we only have like one way. Everybody poops too, just to be clear. (laughs) just to put that on the record yeah yeah we're all in this together (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's crazy that um yeah we have such limited vocabulary for this really really common experience right Right. 100 percent of the people you know are gonna die and we have one way to talk about it and anything that deviates from that is disrespectful or you know uncaring or not correct and that is not the way it should be yeah and so much of that is driven by fear and insecurity and uh a lack of curiosity and an unwillingness to to to, or i guess a fear of the uncomfortable places right yes for sure for sure and i think the people who have gone through those just that discomfort are kind of obligated now to to walk others through it because there's not a, there's not a lot of us walking around so it's uh it's so it's such a gift to have people who have been through it and can, yeah. um, can kind of help us through I'm so grateful to the people in my life and the books I read and stories I heard um that really walked me through that because that was uh such a rough time yeah well, that is, I mean, that is the gift you're giving others now, right? In writing your book. Um, I mean, you're passing that forward, right? You're passing that on. Like, that is the gift that we humans can give. I, I say this again and again on the show is like, we have these lived experiences, joyful and not joyful and, and hard and traumatic or whatever. And we share and and sharing and being vulnerable and being willing to like, do the work, whatever that looks like for you, is is a moment of empathy for others. Like, is a moment of relating and connection and healing for others. Like, that's 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 the gift. So, like, you're giving that in writing your book and putting your heart and soul into my inner sky and giving that to others and allowing them to like see, like, okay, like maybe I had a different idea about like what this can look like for me or etc. Right. So beautiful. Thank you for saying that. I hope so. I hope so. I do think when you go through something rough or just something kind of different or confusing, um, the way to make meaning from it is to share it with, you know, one person or a lot of people or however many you can. Um, because it's, it's incredible that, we are all humans who belong here and yet we we feel so alone in our experiences we feel so so alone and think we're the only person who has ever gone through something we think we invented breakups or you know <laughs> yeah. definitely the first person on earth who has ever gone through this <laughs> and as soon as someone shares it it's it's just like a full body exhale mm-hmm. like oh man mm-hmm. i can breathe because this other person went through it yeah yeah it's the best it's the best and and as as your pal ruthie says healing is for what does she say healing is possible and healing is for you right Possible for everyone. Yeah. Healing is for you. I love that. I think about that like every day, even when I just stub my toe or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's for me. (laughs) No, I I think it's like, I think it's uh, a beautiful thing because, you know, I, 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 for the longest time, you know, I'll just be vulnerable myself, like felt um, that it wasn't for me. I, I felt like, you know, being raised the way I was, I 
I developed limiting beliefs that told me I deserve pain, you know? And so like my last decade has been trying to like unpack that and unlearn that. And, and in that like limiting belief space, which is something we all have, uh, is like we do convince ourselves that we don't deserve healing, that we don't deserve love and joy and, you know, all of the enrichment that life can offer, right? You know, so yeah. it is an important reminder. It it like it could be, you know, it's 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 the Instagram encapsulation. It's a little box, but it's also the deep humanity. It's the nuance and stuff that if we take time and curiosity with it, it can be very um hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that with a lot of these little Instagram sound bites, they're not profound until they are. Like mm. until the moment you need to hear them, it's like, oh my gosh, has anyone else heard about this? <laughs> that you can just start where you are. Like amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, like healing is for you. I don't think that would have resonated in many times of my life, but when I when I heard it at the time, I did. Um, all of these limiting beliefs came to the surface. You know, these things like when I was like 26, I thought, well, I guess I'm just never going to find love. You know, mm, like, yeah. I guess I'm just damaged. And, um, you know, to really, truly believe I can work through this stuff. I can write a different story for myself. Um, that can be very profound when, when you need to hear it. And I needed to hear it. Yeah. How has the, uh, have you been dating? Like, how has that been for you this past year? Um, I was in a relationship this past year and, um, that is where I learned about making assumptions. I, it mm. was one of the hardest things I've ever done is like be truly partnered with someone mm. um you kind of think it's like going to be the end of a like once once you get this relationship like then okay you're set like right. <laughs> it's all good and um man the amount of stories that come up and the you know it's it's like so so vulnerable and so brave to like really love someone else. I, yeah. I feel like I learned more this past year living with someone during a pandemic than I've learned from like any travel or any experience. Wow. It's like having to really show up for someone at a really difficult time mm. and shown up for um, was so challenging. Yeah. And also what, really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been married for, almost 11 years and it is um it is the it is the tapestry it is the simultaneous joy and struggle that is you know it's it's all of it right you know it's um it's it's learning it's teaching it's humbling it's frustrating it's all of those things yeah, yeah. so humbling so humbling like you think you know who you are and then here's this person with like direct access to all of your stories and wounds. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so not as wonderful as I thought. I. Was. <laughs> yeah. It's really a challenge of the narrative you tell yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, my partner, Jessica calls me out all the time for like, cause I, I have this, I think narrative that I'm still trying to unpack and, and maybe challenge is that like, I am just a weirdo, you know? So I have had, I've had all these like weird physical, like pains and stuff in my life. And I think they're connected to childhood traumas and things, you know, my body, like the way my body operates. And Jessica reminds me that like, just of my <laughs> willingness to like, uh, forget about like what came before, you know, a lot, you know, and it, like all of a sudden it's like this brand new thing. And she's like, no, no, you rem remember just a month ago, you experienced the same thing at the same time. And it's this, you know, and I was like, ah, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so beautiful to have such a witness to your life. Yeah. 
it is lovely. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's definitely nice. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about my inner sky. Like you, you wrote this book, it's out a week or so from today, uh, or March 2nd, right? Mm -hmm. right? How does it feel? Like, how are you feeling about, I mean, I know you wrote, uh, are we there yet? Uh, you have this new book, the second book, like, how are you feeling about putting a book out into, well, a pandemic? Also having written a book is a beautiful thing and a wonderful accomplishment. How are you feeling? You know, I, it feels pretty anticlimactic at this point. Mm. I think, um, you know, my last book, it was, uh, not during a pandemic. So I got to have a party and get to go on book tour and all of that. It was my first time interacting with people who, you know, followed me on Instagram and all of that, which was so beautiful, like to, you know, really face-to-face interact with people. Um, It was my first time meeting a lot of people I had met through the internet, which was so wonderful. And this time there's, you know, there's not going to be that. It's all going to be virtual. Um, I will say that, um, we've got siren in the background. So welcome to New York, everyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I will say I loved writing this book and I can't predict anything that's going to happen when it comes out. I don't know if it's going to sell one copy or many more, or if people are going to not like it or resonate with it or whatever. None of that's in my control and it's really kind of none of my business, but um, I I will say I loved writing it. And Mm. I think it's the book I always wanted to write, but didn't have the life experience to write. Mm. So I can feel really good that I no one can take that experience from me. You know, no one can take away how much I loved writing it. Um, even if it sells like negative copies and people like throw it out the window, they can't take away how much I loved the privilege of getting to sit down and write about these things and go to places I'd never been in myself and put it out there. Um, so that I'm really, really grateful for. I'm just feeling really, really grateful, even if the, the virtual events are kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel that and I, I understand that. And I, I think it's a beautiful book. I, I wrote a little Goodreads review that I'm going to read to you right now. Uh, I will never get bored of beautiful reminders of the sacredness in the dark and the magic in between. All human and lumpy and heart achingly stunning. Thanks to Mari for the reminder. So that's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's beautiful. I I think we need more books like this. We need more reminders of our humanity, our complex, nuanced humanity. And that's what it is to me. Thank you so much. That is so, so kind. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I listeners uh, buy the book, uh, My Inner Sky. Uh, this episode's out March 1st. And so her book, Mari's book is out tomorrow. No. Support your local bookstore. Buy it from there. Bookshop.org is a great resource as well. Uh, you can also check out Mari's website. Uh, Mari, we always wrap up the show talking about our empathy heroes. So the people in our lives or even just characters from stories we love, um, empathetic, compassionate, feely people uh, we honor at the end of the show. Uh, I'll go first to give you a moment to think about your empathy hero. My empathy hero is someone I've talked about many times. I even talked about her on this very episode. It's Jessica, my my wife of almost 11 years. Um, she turned 40. Uh, just a couple days ago, and I'll be turning 40 this year. And um, I mentioned at the top, Mari, that I've been feeling like dizzy and lightheaded. And she um, continues to be someone who who meets me where I'm at. Uh, she sees me for who I am. And um, there's no like better feeling than than when someone can see you for who you are and and be fully there for you when you're feeling shitty or you're feeling whatever you're feeling and and just 
she continues to be that mirror for me. Uh, and um, I love her. So Jessica is my empathy hero this week. Yay, Jessica. Yay. Jessica. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, the first person who came to mind is my friend Kim Rhodes. I'm doing a virtual event with her um, in a few days. She is a friend who I met in the book signing line of my last book. Oh, wow. And um, she now writes for the website Cup of Joe. She's a wonderful writer. And whenever I text her about something that's going on and I'm worried about a little judgment from in general, not from her, um, but just, you know, something that's a little that I'm a little disappointed about or that I wish was a different way or maybe challenges the narrative um, that I think people have of me. Mm. She always responds with a something to the effect of, of course you feel that way, or mm. of course that happened or um, here for you, no matter what, or that sounds really hard. And um I was going through a really tough time last month and then um, something kind of good happened and she sent me flowers when something good happened, which was so nice. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm accustomed to, to receiving a lot of sympathy and extra uh, tender loving care when things are really hard. But after this season that was so difficult um, to get flowers when I was, when like one little happy thing happened it was just so nice. So mm. thanks, Kim. We love Kim. Yes, we love Kim. That's beautiful. I mean, it's like, she sounds like she's uh, validating your feelings and also making you feel less alone. That's it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, Mari, where... Where can the listeners out there connect with you? Obviously, order your book, all of that stuff. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, yeah. You can always find me on Instagram by Mari Andrew. My website is by mariandrew.com. Um, and my book will be available wherever you buy books. Amazing. Well, thank you, Mari, for being on the show. I, I'm grateful to have read your book. I'm grateful to be here two years later uh, after initially uh, reaching out and connecting. So grateful. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful as well. This was lovely. Yeah, likewise. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here. You're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Empathy.